Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi, and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. It's episode 96. And today we're really excited. We've got a very special guest. Um, who I've known for a really long time. She's a member of my family, basically, and an amazing author um, and storyteller, Bernadette Russell. So we often talk about you, Bernadette. We all like peppered throughout the whole of the podcast, really. We go, oh, Bernadette said this. But so welcome. Thank you so much, both, for having me. It's lovely to see you, hear you. Yeah. We're excited. I know we're super excited and Bernadette's we're extra excited because Bernadette's actually got another book out today so when this goes out tomorrow it will still kind of be the same day so we're like literally hot off the press here so we're like we're super excited and her new book um she's written a few books around um topics around kindness around wonder around you know those things that kind of boost us and make us happier and and weller as you know in society and in ourselves and her uh one that's out today is called how to be hopeful which feels very sort of pertinent at, at the moment for for all of us you know that common humanity thing and um so welcome again. We start with a check-in. So you can hear I'm a little bit hyper, can't you? My voice is like, rah, rah, rah. So, um, so Bernadette, so um, how are you doing? I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm going to be honest with you both. I've had three coffees. So I'm reminding myself to take deep breaths. And I'm quite hyper as well, but I'm really good. I'm excited to see you both and be with you the morning of the birth of my Fifth book. Wow. Yeah. Number five. I know. Oh, so we're really pleased. Oh, what about you, Mans? How are you doing? Um, I am good. I, <laughs> I I want to write a book about the trials of being a cat mum because not only did she, like, literally nearly vomit on my bed at 3 o'clock in the morning, she then brought me a bird and then I had to chase around the house with it and I managed to save the bird's life so that's I feel like a good Aww. human but it was pretty stressful and the, the bird was like playing dead I mean it's amazing when you watch nature in action so I was like grabbed her throughout the room and then the, the bird was like just turned and then just legged it well flewed it out the window um so yeah that was quite um quite a sort of quite a semi-stressful morning but um, other than that I'm all right trying to adjust to the new school routine because the kids are we're up at 10 past six so I'm like a bit tired (laughs) and you dude yeah Yeah, I'm like I'm really excited I feel like it's my birthday again because I've just got like my favorite people my favorite people are in the house like you're either on zoom or you're actually in my house physically and it's like I'm, I'm really really excited and I just um yeah it's it's my favorite season kicking in I'm riding the wave because you know obviously we've we had the book out last week and this is our first one so it's it's that kind of riding the wave of it's like trying to pump the pedal the the um the brake pedal all the time so that you don't crash that's how I kind of I kind of see it so 
I'm all right. I'm just really up trying to up the self-care, take lots of deep breaths and ride the wave, you know, that that's kind of how, how I'm feeling and, and do the juggle. But um, yeah, so, but good and very excited again, like I say, to talk to Bernadette. So, so Bernadette, can you tell us a bit, you know, we'll dive straight in to tell us a bit about the book. Well, can I just ask just before we start on the book, just hmm. for people that, you know, obviously don't. So can you tell how you know each other and how you met just to give a bit of context? I thought that'd be nice. Yeah. Do you want to tell, Kate, or shall I? You tell. This is your pod. Yeah, okay. So, and correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. I think we met when we were doing our A-levels sometime in the mid-dark ages. (laughs) The 80s! (laughs) Which I remember very fondly now. Um, Yeah, and uh, we met, we both did it. A performance of Godspell together, I believe. We did. In drama, which was amazing. And, um, yeah, and then we had a lot of great nights out and days out and lots and lots of fun. And we've been friends ever since with little periods of losing touch like you do, just do sometimes. Right? Yeah, and like we did back then because Facebook wasn't a thing. Like we, we basically, when we left university, so we were also in A-level English together, weren't we, mm. with Trevor and Helen. Mm-hmm. Um, so Trevor and Helen, they were our lecturers. And it just felt like, it felt almost like Dead Poet Society, that whole experience. We were passionate and young and angry and questioning and boundaryless, and it was just the most special time to me yeah. you know hanging out in the flat in South Sea with you and all our witchiness that we used to get up to with Nell and Sally and everyone and that and yeah. um yeah it, it those were just those shine out to me as real that's when I sort of started living a bit Maybe and really sort of magical and kind of free unafraid time I think that, mm. that's what like really characterizes it for me and I'm really grateful for that I had this sort of fearless foundation which I owe to you and, you know, Nell and our other friends then, this kind of wildness. We were pretty wild. We were wild. Yeah, but we were, but we weren't wild in that, like, hedonistic sense. We would just do, like, things like go into... I remember being around Sally's once. Sorry, we're going to go off now. (laughs) I wish I'd never asked. (laughs) I know, I know. Sorry, maybe we should... Yeah, we'll have this chat off air. No, 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 no. I remember just kind of deciding just before I went to university and we were just hanging out having a chat and she lived near some woods and then I was just like, well, I just really need to get up and like go into the dark woods by myself on my own and then came back a bit later, you know, and it was like you said, it was just totally fearless. Yeah, and, um, it's worth saying we were wild in that way. We were wild in a jumping off the end of the tree into the sea while in ball gowns or yeah. not wild in it like... Drug, you know, that traditional sort of rock and roll way more like yeah. just expressive yeah very expressive yeah. yeah and I think that's quite interesting in in terms of the kind of conversation because obviously I was very wild in that hedonistic way from like the age of 14 and and I think you know maybe it was time about the timing and and how things change you know that generation or maybe it was just a different way of expressing, but then it's always that, then you have to kind of put it in a box, you know? Um, and I just find that quite interesting that the, those early times were really kind of wild and free. I love that. I'm quite jealous of that, I suppose. 
a little bit. But anyway, so you've been friends mm. for a very, very so long, really long time. time. Sort of thirty odd years. How forty? I can't remember. Just a really long time. Yeah. And then we did lose touch because that before Facebook, and then we after university, we just could I just didn't know where she lived, and you didn't know where I lived, mm. and then we bumped into each other in Camden Market, didn't we? Quite yeah. like so. We both we'd both moved to London. And we had no idea that either was, and remember there's like 6 million people in London and we just bumped into each other and then that was it. And then we've been sort of in touch ever since. Oh, amazing. Uh, Love that. Yeah. But, you know, so Bernadette's kind of work over the last few years has been, you know, we've had that typical, we we did a feature actually about friendship. I think I wrote it for SMAG, didn't I? Yeah. And we, and we looked at some um, people who were women who were celebrating their 50th friendship anniversary and we were celebrating our 25th anniversary and it was full of that kind of okay so at one point one one of you might have kids and the other you know and maybe someone's got an illness and it's how women's life we we weave through and how important our friends are and I think that really summed it up and and the last few years so might might have been knee deep in the kind of sober community and, and child rearing and Bernadette's been doing some amazing sort of activism work um, and so I'd just like to kind of you to talk about the work that you've done that's led up to this point, maybe. Yeah. Yes. It's a funny word, isn't it, activism? Because sometimes I mm. feel a bit shy away from it because I'm not sure whether I deserve it. And I've, sometimes I think, well, everybody is a bit that. But, yeah, so basically ten, nearly 10 years ago, I was – the, the riots that happened that spread all over London as a result of Mark Duggan's death in Tottenham when he was killed by the police. That the riots that ensued and the sort of response media, the really unpleasant media response to that, and the fear that I saw upsurging was the like the straw on the camel's back for me because I've been thinking about like we were all bombarded by bad news about you know, climate change and war and stuff. And I was like, I don't know what I can do. What, what, I don't know how I can make any impact in the world. At the time, I was mainly, as my friend said, up a ladder wearing a petticoat. I was at a touring theatre and I was like, I love this, but I feel like I should be doing something a bit more substantial to help the world. Um, and I started doing daily acts of kindness and, um, to just as a test to see if that can make a difference it was just an experiment it feels now like looking back it feels like that was my kind of that was my equivalent of a marathon but less taxing on my legs sort of kind of a leg, like a spiritual marathon rather than an actual leg marathon <laughs> and uh yeah and it sort of changed everything um it's a bit of a lifelong learn from that thought about how you can how you can how small things really can help that small actions accumulatively are capable of changing the world but also thinking eventually it took me a while about self-care and how you can sort of put both blend both of those things together and not see them separately so you can take care of yourself and you can try to contribute to sort of positive change and then was lucky have been lucky enough to do loads of brilliant creative projects I've worked with the Southbank Centre for Law and with People United and various and Royal Albert Hall and loads of people just trying to do creative projects about um, positive change and kindness and encouraging hope and just and also joy actually also trying to remember fun yeah that's a summary 
that's such a long sentence yeah and I, and I love that and I think like one of the conversations we were having is about that kind of how doing positive stuff can be viewed negatively if you know what I mean and also like um how caring about stuff can turn into something bad for us so it's it's interesting there's loads of kind of like links I suppose to that kind of well-being and, and the recovery journey in the sense of like um yeah when do we need to put the brakes on and and sort of look after ourselves and and breaking it down into manageable steps and that's what it is it's like little acts of kindness it's like it has an impact on both sides um so you're getting a benefit from it too and it's just it's manageable um because there is quite a lot of perform performatism in this area mm. now so yeah I just it's it's really interesting on that side like be hopeful at the moment like are you joking <laughs> yeah no I know it's interesting because this week I think the news has been particularly brutal um you know um and I, I I have um friends in America and they're obviously you know languishing under an orange sky as they throw us on fire and we can't we see that stuff even if I think if we avoid the, the news by osmosis, we receive that information. So it, I know what you mean, Mandy. It feels like audacious to suggest being hopeful in the midst of what's going on. But it's actually it's just more important. It's part of self-care, but it's also part of trying to be a positive con- contributor <laughs> to, well, to well-being for yourself and for the world. So I think this week I... I there was, I've tried to make the book really practical, and one of the things I address is the news and the horrible, harsh bombardment of negativity and the fear narrative that we receive. And I think you have to sit in this really uncomfortable place, which I sort of talk about at the edge lands, which is acknowledging, okay, that's going on, but also acknowledging that isn't the only story. It isn't the only story. And actually, if we see something really negative and we share it, I'm not sure whether there's, that's a really great thing to do because it just means that that story's been seen a million times and has beaten people up. When and actually, on any given day, there is always a positive story as well, a hopeful story. That's an act of kindness to yourself to seek it out. So I try and encourage people to look for one every single day. I'm actually starting a little campaign tomorrow called 21 Days of Hope, where I'm going to try and just post a really hopeful story every day for 21 days and see if people can join in because... My experience of doing that is, is it has made me feel happier. I don't feel quite so terrorised by the news. Mm. Do you know, it's interesting, though, because it's almost like, so I always put everything through a sort of sobriety filter and, and that, that kind of my, my journey with it. And we often talk about that kind of news gate. Well, I talk, don't I, about news gatekeeping and how important it is, is for me. Um, and I really like that that kind of, okay, if we're shining the light inward and outward, that if then you share positive stuff, you're, you're helping, you know, that pro-social thing, you're helping to gatekeep for other people. And that's a really, in these kind of fractured times when we've all had to isolate from each other, actually, that's a really nice thing to be able to think about. Well, actually, I can do that. If I see something, I can share it. And that's a way of gatekeeping my community, the people I care about. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. it's nice, as you've it's just a nice thing to do for yourself as well, to choose to look 
for that story, for that hopeful story, mm. is something that, that kind of works both ways. You can get intoxicated yes. as well to, to, to go with the, uh, the, the theme. You can get kind of intoxicated by bleak news. Yeah. Sort of an adrenal quality to being terrified by burning yeah. forests. 100%. So I think it does relate to, so it is connected to sobriety, I think, to be. It is. To look for, and also, you know, to look for and share beauty is a really, is a really lovely way. Yeah, I mean, well, interesting. It, Sorry, go on, man. No, I was going to say, well, like we, there's this sort of sticky word, you know, within recovery is of kind of, of gratitude practices or whatever, you know, and it's like, oh, you know, and it, it, <laughs> <laughs> I love that noise. Oh, I literally want to be sick. But it, <laughs> but it, but it's it that, it, you know, yeah. But it's that thing of like being able you know, on a sort of neuroscientific level, it's being able to reprogram the brain from being in like, I've got to survive and, and you know, and, and everything's going wrong and being in panic mode to like, okay, I can survive and I can see past the next hour or the next drink or whatever. And like, I can connect with other things around me. And, but it is like a practice. It is like a something that you learn. And I think that's the thing. It's like, I mean, I had that this morning. I went through a real down because there was this thing about someone had put like you know don't do go sober for October because it's bad for pubs or something and then so I went down this whole thing of like oh man that's so bad and then I had all these memories of like when like people have been mean to me and and not like you know been harsh about me being sober or being like I'm not fun and blah 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 and then I remembered that this really lovely man had reached out for his girlfriend about courses and how he could support her on her sober journey. And I was like, oh, there's one good person, you know, it's like kind of linking into those like star sort of bright spots, like, right, there's one good person. And, you know, obviously because of my practices and practicing, practicing, then I was like, then I could lock in and go, okay, like, you know, I, I can listen to some music and I can work through this. And I literally went like sad music, sad music, a bit happier, 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 and then finished with some hip hop. And I was like, okay, I'm all right now. <laughs> it was yeah, like, you know, and it was like, those are those things. And it's like those kind of practices of working it in. Um, and it is that for it. So it's like, and I do like a self talk, like somewhere there's a, there's a fireman saving someone's life, you know, and someone that's battled with depression for the, over the last lifetime. I have to do those things. Like I have to be able to pull myself out of that because there's always two. It's awful, isn't it? But it's half empty, half full. I hate that saying. <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think also. I think Mandy picking up on what you said, um, and I try to sort of explore this in the book as well. Science can actually be really consoling. I don't think it, it's the only authority, I have to say, but I think it's really important to or really useful to say, look, so, this is what science says about it. And I sort of looked a little bit into the work of Rick Hansen, who I'm sure you two have come across. And he, he made a lot of sense of it to me, because he was like, well, actually, because we have, we have to be mindful of things that endanger our lives, like tripping over a tree root when you're having a nice day out. I write this story about an imaginary uh, prehistoric woman has a lovely day out, but on the way back trips and everything, tree root, and then comes back and 
Around the fireside only tells the story of the tree roots. Yeah, because a negative bias. Yeah, that's in danger yeah. of life. And she doesn't talk about seeing the rainbow, playing in the stream with her best friend, all of that. Mm. He, he, so he made sense of it because I was like, okay, it's not our fault, if you like. Mm. This is the way. But he also says it's not useful because actually we are not going to be, we're not likely any of us to die from a minor injury. So we get these, these I think he describes it as long shadows caused by old pain, which I thought was beautiful. Mm. You don't need that. Like, I might stub my toe, but my toe because of antibiotics, etc., isn't going to then infect my whole leg and I'll sort of die with the plague, wherever you go with that, you know. So I've mixed, I've mixed up illnesses, but you know what I mean? And, and he, and then I, t- I tried this, so he recommends this thing, exactly as you described, Mandy, of focusing on the positive, like your man who was trying to help his girlfriend mm. recovery. And so that, those, if you if you stay with those thoughts, they can be transferred to a long term memory. So I was enormously cu- encouraged by the neuroscience, the possibility that we can retrain our brains, and I have tried it all year and it does work. So I think years of focusing on kindness and focusing on hope has worked. Yeah, to retrain my sort of adult negativity bias brain. Yeah. And I really, I, you know, that this whole the thing as well, like you said about the adrenal quality, I'm quite interested of, of yeah. bad news. Because in poly, you know, the polyvagal theory, which is about, you know, getting you out of your, Mandy was last when I talked about the polyvagal theory, getting out of fight, flight into rest and restore and making ourselves feel safe from a traumatized space. Like one of those, um, one of those practices. Uh, sorry, the reference uh, work of Peter Levine here um, is is to look for those bright spots as little anchors, because so they're very very soothing on our nervous system. So again, for people with you know, if you're looking at sobriety, those are your, you know going to be your trigger points when you're like, I can't cope. I feel like I'm spinning out. That's when I'm gonna the wine witch is going to kick off. So. This, like you said, there's such a huge intersection between these well-being, scientific, evidence-based practices, sobriety, mental health, well-being, isn't it? They are all linked. It's interesting when you actually, like, think about it and think about the physical process of what happens. It's like, you know, like, literally, I think my eyes went to the left, you know, or Mm. whatever, whichever way they should go. I think it's to the left. My eyes went up, so I'm, you know, connecting with my creative side of my brain and I took a deep breath you know inside out and just instantly felt better because it was like okay I've got like one thing I can hold on to which Mm. feels good and then that 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 can be as you say that anchor point to kind of bring you out of that sort of traumatized state so so what what other things can people do to be to be hopeful how do you put it into practice well so I think of looking for a hopeful story every day is a really good and, it, and that can be a nice thing it doesn't have to be hard work it can, it can be fun also it doesn't have to be a scientist have discovered a plastic eating mushroom it doesn't have to be a big story it can be really literal like this man tried to help his girlfriend well not that that's literal. Yeah. do you know what I mean it can be a small person focusing um another thing I do which is sort of just a really nice creative practice is keep a hopeful collection, hope collection. And I would say do that in any way 
that you like. Like I often keep little scraps of paper which I've written things on. Um, sometimes it's pictures. Some people I know keep Pinterest boards, so they've got loads of pictures of things that make them hopeful. And that's personal to you. So for you, that might be loads of pictures of dogs playing or loads of pictures of videos of kids telling jokes or, you know, um, stories about coaches who've, who've become wildlife conservationists. It can be anything. But it's just to have some, I think physical is really good, to have something physical that you can go to if you're like, oh, my God, everything's awful, people are terrible. You know, if you go into what I describe as that Nick Cave space. <laughs> Nick. No, I love Nick Cave. No. Instead of the woman cave, you go into the Nick Cave. <laughs> it's because he sings that, you know, people, they ain't no good. I love Nick Cave as well. And he's doing his thing and I adore him. But it's that, it's, you know, people ain't no good. And so it's a counter, it's a counter to that. So I think that's a sort of really good factor. Mm. And by doing that, by collecting it as well, it's just about self-knowledge and self-care again. It's about saying, these are the things that bring me hope and comfort. And the reason they're important is because before, I think before we can take action, however small that action is, we need to hope, we need to believe that there's a possibility of change. Because we have to imagine that first. So there are steps that have to happen before we take action. And I think hope can provide the fuel for, for making change or the fuel for taking action. Um, so mm, I love that. Stuff, then you can think, oh, you know, and it's funny actually, sometimes really great ideas come from collecting hopeful things as well. Like it might give you an idea for a different direction you want to go in with work or with a career, or it might give you an idea for where way you might want to go on holiday. Or, yeah, it's, it's a nice, really simple, or as complicated as you like it to be, creative practice, I think. Do you know what I was just thinking? I love that, by the way. And I love the Nick Cave, going into the Nick Cave. Um, but I was thinking about, I was actually, my mind went back to a Bible quote. And I believe it's in 1 Corinthians 13. But I don't know. I know, it's ridiculous. I, don't, I can't I remember to, tell you, dude. to wash up. I can't remember if I washed up five minutes ago, but I can remember a Bible passage from when I was like zero. Bloody indoctrination. Anyway, um, it said when it's, uh, it's like that old fashioned thing. So it says, okay, so there are three things in, uh, that are important in this particular Bible scripture. It said faith, hope, and love. And the most important of these is love, blah, blah, But but the, the hook there was just that, that it's, an, it's really ancient. Our need to hope goes back eons and feels so needed now. And I wondered if you could talk about help me with my, my, my exploding brain emoji when I think of its enormity, like historically, and why, why now, you know? It's really interesting for women as well and storytelling for me because me it's everything about making storytelling or go back to, that's where I go back to to feel along safe ground so Pandora another woman who got blamed for the ills of the world so it's really interesting most people know a version of the Greek story Pandora and she so, so basically she had a jar which was afterwards translated as a box that she was told not to open well obviously 
yeah, we know where that's going. And women always get punished, don't they, traditionally for their curiosity. Uh, for finding out shit, yeah. Bravo for her curiosity. So Pandora, here's the box whispering. I mean, seriously, what would you do if you had a whispering jar? You'd have to be really lacking in imagination not to open it. So look, dear Pandora opens the jar, out shoots all of the troubles of the world, and inside nestles hope, who are also asked to go out, to be let out, and Pandora, on seeing the havoc that she's caused, because women always get the blame for causing havoc, um, let's also goes back and let's uh, let's hope out little shining plucky hope, who's there to sort of counter all the troubles of the world. And um, it's a trouble. It's a it's a story that literally has philosophers and thinkers and writers and poets arguing for since Hetty had first noticed it in the goodness knows when I think it might have been in the second century so I think it's really interesting because they were like some people are like why was hope in such terrible company in the first place is hope just a way of torturing us further because everything ends in death so basically a lot I'm going to have to say this a lot of mainly male philosophers rowing about hope and I felt I felt defensive as Pandora I was like good on you for opening the jar and into your own curiosity, and also on hope, who's often portrayed as female, has been this tiny little shining light against all the misery and anguish and pain and stuff. So it's an old story that hope is this tiny little champion warrior spirit released by a woman. Hey, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> to counter all this negative um or, or rather not negative all this all this suffering pain so she's always been acknowledged as important and mm. um, so I think I think I don't know I think I just think that story kind of story is really interesting that really sums it up for me as well that kind of you know in we, you know like I love it when people go all the stuff you know when when people on she recovers and they're just like yeah just kind of got all the stuff and it's like hope is that that beautiful thing I think there is so I'm going to segue back to sobriety and recovery because a lot of people say that they discover hope again that is a really big key thing like what have you discovered when you feel like you know you make that and it is it's like that the belief the hope the possibility that things can get better. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And who doesn't need that? And, you know? and sort of connecting again to sort of sobriety and recovery, having hope that you can do it this time. You know, we have a lot of doubt in ourselves, don't we? We have a lot of, you can't, for example, you know, you might have tried to, let's say, stop smoking. You might have tried to stop smoking 18 times. In order to try it again, you have to have hope that this time you'll do it. Otherwise, what you wouldn't try. So I do, I do defend it, and I think that it's it's been hope has been under attack. It, it, that's sometimes people say to me, "Well, that you know, that's been wishy washy. People have to take action." And but I guess my point is, like you're saying, Kate, you have to have that in order to motivate you to take action. Yeah, I think that's like I wrote it down. I think that's. I'd never really understood that or kind of attached to that, the fact that you, you have to believe in the possibility of change 
in order to start actioning change. And so, and I guess, and I guess that's, yeah, and I guess that's why, like, you know, all the stuff that people do to, like, recover out loud or talk about their experiences or that inspiration, I suppose, or listening to this is, like, when you connect with other people's stories, that that's evidence and gives you a bit of hope it's like if she can do it then I maybe I can do it too or like you know and you're like and we get messages and it's like my experiences were like your experiences and it gives them that little bit it's it's collecting that evidence but I love that idea of having a book or having something you know to kind of refer to and, and build that kind of you know space of being like right this you know sober celebs or like you know good people Brené Brown she's sober you know like these sort of icons of sort of things and build that kind of and also I suppose thinking about the possibility of what your life might look like like I might have more money I might not feel so ashamed of my body I won't have a red nose like I don't know all those things like my eyes might be brighter like all that is kind of yeah it's it's really beautiful so thank I think you. that's a really good point as well, Mandy, that in the mix of it as well is recognising the power, the huge power of our imaginations mm-hmm. and how that's connected to courage. They're all connected. So to, to kindly acknowledge that this requires knowledge, the courage, but to allow yourself to imagine a, a, a sort of different, brighter future for yourself is part of it as well, isn't it, like you said? And and also what you said I really resonated with, stories are really important, like hearing other people's stories, that might be famous people, that that might be your best friends in the community, in in the recovery community, that might be little scraps of things you read online. Those stories are, are, are really important, and I think the combination of stories of lived experience of real people, alongside like really robust sort of scientific information, they're a really powerful they are. combination. It's a winner, isn't it? To have the both. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because without, without, with the science is so great for the, that kind of evidence and in our, you know, our science worshipping society. So if you've got that, that you're like, okay, but I need, I need something more than just, but then those personal empowering stories that go along with it. And then the creative, the, the, the sort of, the, the stuff that I don't know what I'm trying to say, that kind of um, when you, when you're, I suppose it's the right, is it the right hand side? I always get confused. I know, I'm like, right. is it the right hand side? So that creative, that, that, that creative side of your brain, again, is so, what are you going to say? You said the right, didn't you? Um, I think, which feels weird to me because I'm left handed. Yeah. But, it, but it's, but again, it's that thing of like, you know, people, often say and that was certainly it's like if you go back to the example of smoking again it's like people know that smoking is bad for them right they know we know all the evidence the facts that's all that sort of that logic but your emotional part of your brain is always going to lead so it's like if you don't have that kind of feeling or emotional connection with like being a non-smoker and really attaching yourself to that then however much you know it in a logical sense that's mm. not enough it's that's like gonna win. it's the elephant and the rider isn't it so you know once you start sort of being able to create a kind of an emotional 
um, inspirational, creative connection with a choice and yeah, and be able to dream and be able to imagine something more beautiful than where you are now. That's so much more powerful than just well, like, like you the said, knowledge. Dean, it's, it puts the fuel. It's like a fuel in the. It's a fuel for change, whether it's personal. Yeah. And if it's personal, then it is also social, right? Yeah. And then yeah. maybe yeah. I think what you two are really brilliant at, both of you, and I think this is really important and pertinent to to hope and to recovery, is the unashamed um pursuit of joy because joy is really important part of it as well and this sort of connects back to the possible burnout of activism etc it's like we can have fun doing this as well we, we can not only we can we probably must have joy and fun doing it which is why creativity is really nice isn't it creative practice however big or small that is for you whatever that means for you or, or, or whether your joy is to be found in going on long beach walks it's to connect joy to it's, to it's to find the joy in hope and action so that the journey towards this brighter future the journey is great as great yeah. as it can be <laughs> yeah exactly you're going to stub your toe metaphorically or literally of course but I think it's really important and and it was really important like you know and um, credit to you two for helping me learn this to be like actually you can you can enjoy yourself. You don't have to be sort of, you know, uh, sort of with your fist on your forehead like Atlas. You can you can find pleasure in it. And actually there's a brilliant one writer called J.P. Flintoff and he wrote a book called How to Change the World. And, which, and I went to a lecture of his. It's quite a daunting title. But actually, a lot of his stuff is about find, find the fun. Because that makes it sustainable, and I think that applies to whether you're an activist who's trying to change the world, and or whether you're a person that's trying to make your life better. You're on a recovery journey, or you're recovering from trauma, or you're on a sobriety journey. The joy and the pleasure is is really important, and you, t- I think you two are great at that. And I'm learning. <laughs> ah, thank you. But but going back to the science, it's like you know addiction or any kind of anything like it's a maladaptive you know brain disordered you know pathway of your reward centers it's like you know it's just getting it's got stuck in a loop of only going to one thing to get a reward so it's like if you want to change that it's like well you need other rewards like you need other things to light you up and feel good and that's what's sustainable so again Kate always says like self-care and you know is bad after kind of self leadership and self and treats because it it's like literally doing the work that you need to be better so yeah and so Bernadette five tips five tips for people to be hopeful to harness their hope five oh god I don't know three and two (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so so I would say um Look every day for a hopeful story yeah, and disengage from things that are filling you with despair. Yeah. Um, notice something which is beautiful or an uplifting every day and kind of spend a little bit of time with it. Um, throughout the course of the day when something funny or wonderful or happy or joyous happens, allow yourself to enjoy it. Mm, I love that. Um, 
maybe make a start every day on your hope collection and i would recommend a physical collection so little scraps or drawings or pieces of writing or cutting from a magazine yeah um oh i'll tell you another one is i really like this and it's kind of about ancestors which i like because i'm a bit of a myth maniac but i think it's always worth remembering that whatever's happening to you it can happen to someone else and I find great comfort in that. Like, you know, you're not the first person to have this struggle. You're not the first person to have tried this thing. Um, so so have a think or do a little bit of research into and find yourself a hero, a hero, a hero, or hero, someone that has sort of triumphed against the odds, maybe in a way that you have. And that's oh, the that. person. It could be an ordinary, whatever that means, you know. Perfect. I love those. Thank you. Um, so we're coming to the end um, of, of the podcast. I could just sit and talk all day about this to you too. It's just like, yay, it's like my, my favourite thing. Um, so How to Be Hopeful is out today. Um, you can get it from all of the bookshops encouraging, you know, local independent bookshops, obviously. Um, if you love it, then it's always helpful to, again, you know, because we have to play the algorithms to leave a review on Amazon so that other people can find it, you know, and like that's maybe part of this whole gatekeeping for each other and pushing the good stuff out, you know. And even though we have to work with some devils, we can work them in good ways maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you so much, Bernadette. It's yeah, been so lovely you. to see with you. Yes. And I've got some tips and we'll um, we'll – We'll list. We'll link the book below as well, and then we can find Bernadette. Um, if you're immediately concerned about your drinking, please do reach out immediately. Um, you know, you can send up a flare to us. You can find an online community. She recovers soberistas. Be sober and quit. Club soda. Um, you know, just don't feel alone. As Bernadette was saying, you know, one of those key things is other people that have done it and that can give you hope and support and, you know. It, you just it's that thing about reaching out and realizing you're not alone so do send up a flare and we will see you next week um for more chat